Hello there, cat people. Welcome to episode 22 of the Shelter Cats podcast, a labor of feline love. The Shelter Cats podcast is began as a podcast all about the shelter cats that have made a difference in my life, have saved my life, have inspired me to carry on in my life, and hopefully will serve to get you, inspire you, motivate you to adopt a shelter cat of your own, or a second or a third. Adopt, don't shop. And the podcast has kind of evolved into what I'm seeing as a platform for all of the rescue organizations I can get my grubby paws on to, to join me and just speak about what they do, how they started, the efforts that they the efforts that they undertake to try to make a difference. It's not just about adopting a cat and bringing them home. For every cat you bring home, there are thousands of cats that are homeless on the streets right now, suffering and enduring unspeakable things that I just don't want to speak about because they break my heart. So that is the theme of tonight's episode. But before we get to tonight's amazing trio, three guests who join me at once. And again, as usual, minor hiccups in in the software, uh, but that's okay. It's about the message. It's about the platform. And I don't care if it's not edited to perfection. It's about the cats. It's about helping the cats and getting the message out. So if the message is garbled for two minutes, so what? But that being said, And I want to hear from more people. And that means I want to hear from you. You. You listening right now. You with the cat sleeping on your lap. Listening to this with your breakfast on Sunday morning. I want to hear from you. How did you adopt your cat? Where did you adopt your cat? Please tell me it's a shelter cat. Where did you adopt your cat? How? When did you know that that cat was the one that you were going to take home? Or what usually happens is the cat picks you out and goes, yeah, you're go- I'm going home with you. How did that happen? Tell me about life with your cat. Tell me about those good and bad things in your life that you just could not have imagined going through without having your shelter cat or shelter cats. So how do you find me? I'll tell you. I'm on the web at tylerthecat.com. You can email me, please do, dan at tylerthecat.com because I'm Dan the Catman, self-proclaimed. I'm on Facebook. The page is called Shelter Cats. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, and Threads, Shelter Cats Podcast. If you search that on each of those platforms, you'll find me. I'm on Twitter at Shelter Cats POD. I am on Medium. I do a blog every Saturday or Catterday. <laughs> Medium.com forward slash Shelter Cats or just search Shelter Cats. And last and least, because I'm, I'm not looking to make any money off of this, you can support the podcast. I would love to get better software so I have fewer interruptions. I would learn, like to learn how to edit better. I am looking to start a YouTube so that I could go run around and film these people that are joining me on my show so you can support the podcast if you so desire and that's what 100% of your donation will go to 
So I am on Spotify. You could donate. Just look for the dollar symbol. Looks like it's sitting in a little bank. Click the button. Donate anything you want. Tucker is mad at me. What's wrong? You can also go on Patreon. Just search Shelter Cats, or I'll email you the link if you reach out to me. There are various levels on Patreon where I have a WhatsApp group. I have a Discord chat. I have... I'll give you my number. You can text me for all I care. As long as, as long as you know your donation is going to help the show to get my word, the word, and my platform out to more organizations to speak about their cats. With that, so with that being said, I have a trio of of guests on tonight, and we only had one minor hiccup. I have John Lynn Freeman of NYC Cat Coalition. I have Becky, and Becky is from Greenpoint Cats, which works in a, in Greenpoint in Brooklyn. And I have Megan. Megan is with Puppy Kitty NYC, and she operates out of Queens. And they all work together, helping the shelter cat population and the homeless cat population and the bodega cat population and the alley cat population in New York City, in Manhattan, in Queens, in Brooklyn, all over the five boroughs of New York City. And if you think you know what's going on with the homeless cat population in New York City, you don't know a thing. I, who host a show about shelter cats, was woefully misinformed about just the level of the crisis that is going on right now in terms of not only the amount of shelter cats and homeless cats and feral cats that are overwhelming the streets of New York City, but also what these three amazing people face on a daily basis in terms of lack of support from New York City proper. It blew my mind and it'll blow your mind too. So without further ado, my conversation with John Lynn, Megan, and Becky, who are all working their tails off, pun intended, to help homeless cats in New York City. Hello. Hi, Dan. It's John Lynn. Hello there. We're waiting for two more people. Okay. How is my sound? Is that okay? You sound perfect. Okay. How good. Do I sound? Good. Good. <laughs> so we we will the meeting will come to order, so to speak, when when everyone else is is here. We're still waiting for two more people. Yes. But thank you so much for being on the show. Great to be here. This is very very exciting. I have so many questions. <laughs> but we're waiting. Please stand by. Sure, no problem. I feel like this is a Jerry Lewis telethon. <laughs> How much have we raised? You know, um, <laughs> I get. Oh, here we go. Hi, Megan. Hi, Dan. How are you? Good. We are just waiting for, I think, Becky. Yes. To join, and then we will be off and running. Sounds good. Everybody sounds great. Um, just disclaimer: if by some reason 
sometimes this software goes weird. If it gets, if it goes weird, I'll send a second link and we can reconnect and I'll edit it together. Okay. So just so you know, we're just waiting for Becky and then we will begin. Um, Sounds good. And there she is. Hi, Becky. Hi. How are you? Good. So everybody's here. I want to welcome you all to the Shelter Cats podcast. We're recording for your epic episode. <laughs> try, I'll try, um, to, try to deliver on that. <laughs> no, no, no. I just, I, just, I just added a lot of pressure. I'm sorry. But <laughs> just, just a, a very quick preamble. So my, my point behind this, I call it a labor of feline love. It's, it's a corny phrase, but I'm just, I want to inspire people to realize the wonders of just everyday shelter cats. I, I have five of my own and my last three were foster failures that basically came from the streets and have turned into just amazing, amazing. Two of them do meditation with me. Just, you know, from, from being street cats, one was, one was at animal control in Manhattan and was about hours away from being, you know what, Mm. And now he's 13 years old. He plays like a kitten. And he literally, when I meditate, he lays on his back and he sleeps. <laughs> so, and my younger cats look at him like, dude, slow down. Take a, <laughs> take a break. You're playing too hard. That being said, can you, I guess each at a time, can you please introduce yourselves and just introduce your organization? Sure. I'll let Megan go first. Sure. My name is Megan LaCary and I run Puppy Kitty New York City. Uh, we are a animal based or I'm sorry, an animal rescue based in Queens, New York, with a focus on cats. Great. And I guess Johnlin's on. Johnlin. Hi, Johnlin. Hi. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll maybe I'll go after you because. Uh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, however, this is uh, Becky Wisdom. I run Greenpoint Cats. We are a uh, animal rescue, uh, sorry, a cat rescue and trap neuter return organization um, based in North Brooklyn, in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Um, and we launched in 2019. And I'm John Lynn Freeman, and um, I'm a, a founding member of a kind of loose coalition of rescuers called New York City Cat Rescuer Alliance, um, which started last fall um, when uh, I think all rescuers were kind of hitting a breaking point um, after the, during the pandemic, we had service cuts from ASPCA. And then after the pandemic, the service never resumed because of the vet shortage. And a lot of rescuers were seeing 15 years of progress erased, basically. Um, so I think we were all kind of collectively freaking out. And um, I wrote an op-ed in the New York Daily News. I didn't really think anyone read it, but um, someone suggested that we should kind of talk to rescuers and figure this out. So I invited four rescuers to join a call and 20 people showed up. And so that's when I thought, okay, something is going on here. We all need to start figuring this out and working toward a solution. Um, and so since then, um, we kind of coalesced into this loose organization to advocate for city-funded spay-neuter programs to help rescuers. That's amazing. And do you all, so you all work in close 
contact? Well, I, I think my organization is different because it's more like an advocacy group for rescuers, whereas Megan and Becky are like real rescuers. I, I was always more of an amateur dabbler. I've, I've done some heavy duty, like six month long, really immersive TNR projects, but I think I'm more of a in and out um, occasional rescuer and I'm, I'm loosely affiliated with different rescues, but I think they're hardcore rescues who have been doing this work a long time and are kind of like the ones on the street doing the really hard work. So I think they, they can definitely talk about what's been going on and, and how, what they've seen changing in, the, in, the, in their rescue work. So I'd be interested to hear them talk about that a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my, my first big, big question. You, you, you three are the first New York City organizations that I've had the, the uh, honor of, of interviewing for the show. What is, what is the state of, and this is a loaded question. <laughs> what, so uh, apologies in advance. What is the state of, I can speak for Long Island. I'm, I'm on the border of Long Island and Queens. So I could speak for Long Island, but what is the state of the homeless cat population in New York City and what have you seen that has changed or has it changed in your time doing this amazing work anybody could start I mean lately I've been saying it's literally like dire straits out there um, every day it's a new and more challenging problem or issue and it's like we take two steps forward and ten steps back Wow. For example, I just started this amazing partnership with Petco, being able to put cats there in their condos for adoption, except now um, people have found out and they're dumping kittens in traps next to in front of the cat condo. So I get two adopted and I get 10 more. It's just, it's literally like the Wild West out there. Mm -hmm. And I think, and this is Becky, um, I think like a lot of rescue organizations or a lot of rescuers, I came into it thinking I was just doing trap, neuter, return. Actually, I came into it as a community cat feeder, as a volunteer to feed some local colony cats. And then suddenly some of them had medical needs and we needed to find, we needed a way to trap them and get them medical help. And then all of a sudden other cats were joining the colony that were not spay, neutered. And so then I learned trap, neuter, return. And then from trap to return and i think a lot of us come in through that training you know there's all these workshops every month where you learn how to trap and get spay neuter services and release but the part that they don't tell you about necessarily or you're not prepared for and then you kind of get thrown into the deep end is how many cats you end up encountering that have been dumped abandoned neglected abused um like megan was saying you know, you, you throw an adoption event and then people dump cats there. I go to TNR, a location, and there's actually dumped friendlies, cats giving birth. So suddenly you're in adoptions. And so it really, for me, started out as like, you know, seeing this small problem of like, okay, it's a local colony that needs to be fed, then needs TNR. And now it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, where more of my time, unfortunately, is spent on rescue crises. Um, then the actual TNR work that is supposed to be addressing the bigger cat population crisis. So that is where I've seen the, like the real challenge, um, is the, you know, losing our focus on the initial 
project of TNR and getting sucked into a million kind of rescue tragedies and really upsetting situations. Yeah, it seems like there's a ripple effect when there's overpopulation of cats is so out of control where it ends up being more abuse situations, more hoarding situations. Um, and it's, you know, it's just kind of spirals out into into things that could have been prevented just by, you know, if, if they if we could get ahead of that population problem. Just right, just, fewer cats were available to abuse right. and hoard and spay. Mm -hmm. it's, there's definitely like almost like a supply and demand element here that you could potentially argue that if we could just get it under control, but it really can just take one person, or in my case, I'm dealing with a landlord that's breeding kittens in his basements all over Brooklyn um, for the, you know, and then they get out and then they're reproducing and then they're, it's like, it's a lot of this is human made problems um, that really get in the way of just straightforward trap, neuter, return. So, so just a, a, a hearing Wild West and New York City in the same sentence is, 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 is I'm from Brooklyn. It's tough for me to, it's tough for me to hear that, but obviously <laughs> very true. So is education is just simple educating people that are not in the weeds like you guys are is it is it really is that the would you say that's the biggest challenge is just don't breed kittens in your basement you have no idea how quickly they could have kittens of their own is that the biggest challenge or is it these unfortunate oh. stories or is it just a combination of the two i think it's a combination of everything you know it's not just educating people because some people don't want to be educated like people who are breeding cats in their basement or breeding cats for profit. Um, you know, let's not forget there are still pet stores that sell cats. Um, I just had someone return or surrender a cat to me that cost them $4,900 oh, and they returned God. it after one day. So every, there's just so many pieces of the puzzle. It is people who don't know that their cats shouldn't be, um, you know, free roaming and going outside and not being spayed and neutered. It's not having access to spay neuter appointments, not having having to pay $900 to get your cat spayed that you found in the garbage. Um, veterinary care, the affordability of it, um, and people thinking that having a pet is their like God given right. Um, I, I agree. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that are contributing to it. It's not just one factor. I can speak very locally as someone who has been doing, you know, this work in a very, um, in my community, right? I started in Greenpoint. My focus was, I moved to Greenpoint, right? I literally walked outside my door and saw four or five cats just on the street. One got hit by a car, one was pregnant with one eye. <laughs> Like, you know, oh, was like navigating traffic. Another one had been hit, uh, shot by the BB gun. And I'm thinking, this is like, what is happening here? You know, this is not what I signed up for. And so being a solution-minded person and someone who really wants to give back to my community, I feel like I've had a tremendous response and I've had such a great impact with education and even just inspiring compassion um, in the community, um, locally. And I think that there is a lot to say for that, for education, compassion, 
uh, or inspiring people to have empathy and to really care about what's happening in their backyard. But there's only so far that goes when you're also when you also have such limited resources and when you, you know, and you're also trying to inspire people to, to do more, you know, I can't do everything. And I also am not a vet and I can't, you know, magically produce more spay neuter appointments and affordable vetting. So there's just a lot of, um, you know, there's only so far that education can go. And I, and I think that on top of education, you know, I would also advocate for more, I think there needs to be more consequences. Um, you know, I think a lot lately about carrot and the stick and the advantages of like inspiring, let's say a bodega owner with, you know, am I going to use the carrot of like inspiring him to be a better cat owner or the stick of there are consequences for neglect. And um, it's really tricky. And I think we just need more people to be figuring out how to communicate with all the different stakeholders and all the different audiences to, you know, to, to make the right approach to inspire both, you know, the right thing to do in education and from a compassion and empathy and informational standpoint, as well as advocate for real consequences for when you're not doing the right thing. And I'll just add that res rescuers are operating in probably one of the most resource deprived environments that they've ever been in in New York City. You know, spay neuter apart spay-neuter appointments are scarce. And if you are a larger rescue and you have a lot of volunteers, you can have a team of people waking up at 5.30 on the one day a month that ASPCA is gonna release appointments and have them all claim as many spots as they can in a big block that gives you the ability and the power to do your work and even dole out spots to others who are connected to, to your rescue. But it's like Hunger Games trying to get these spots. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you know, and, and you, I, had no I remember idea. a time when there was um, transport provided by the Mayor's Alliance, and this was, you know, I don't know, six or seven years ago when Bloomberg was actually longer ago when Bloomberg, I think, was mayor. Um, he was an animal lover, and he empowered the Mayor's Office, uh, Mayor's Alliance for Animal Welfare, I think, more than some other mayors have. And I could order transport for trapping projects. But there are so many logistics involved. If you don't have a car, you know, if you don't have holding space, if you can't get spay neuter spots. So I know there's new rescuers who want to help and simply have no way to do any projects. Well, I think I just think so you lost, know, Megan. We lost. Yeah, I think Megan, we lost but, Megan. Oh, but wait, well, where well, is she? Hold on a second. Uh, I'm texting her. We lost you. I texted her as well, but I, I'll get her. I'll get her back uh, on. <laughs> it's funny. I really. Oh, she says she can't hear us. Hmm. She's not on at all. I see both of you. You're not signed in. Hold on. Maybe guess you're gonna be. To guess you're gonna be using those back editing in. tools, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> this will be one of your cuts. <laughs> one of my. My cat um, needs to learn how to or, edit. Or should we? Should we all go out and come back in and see if that helps? Um, I don't know why she can't get in. Says uh, she says she's on, but she can't hear us. Hmm. No, us, I can us. hear you. Let her. Oh, oh she's there. in. Are you we back? Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. Okay. I don't know what happened. Great. I think it's <laughs> I think it's related to the cell phone signal. It's, it's all about the cats. It doesn't matter if it's a, if it's. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what I always say and no one's ever complained well you guys got interrupted I hate this show <laughs> um, so 
Oh, Megan, just to catch you up. Oh, I so heard it's... everything. I was still on there. Oh, okay. You guys just couldn't hear me. Oh, okay. Yeah. That might, that kind of leads, that answer and also leads me to the next question is what, what you, how, how you do outreach in, in your communities and the reception you're getting from like New York City government. And I'm, surprised maybe i'm just ignorant being on the long island for so long i'm surprised at how difficult or maybe i shouldn't be surprised at how difficult it is in terms of resources in new york city of all places you'd think they'd want to help so how do you and anybody answer in any order you want what how do you reach out to the communities the success you've had and why the reception you're getting from from the mayor's office, from, you know, New York City as a government, how has that helped or hindered your efforts? Anybody well, start? I like to say that, you know, by providing us with these low-cost spay-neuter appointments through the ASPCA, it's like the great deception that the city has kind of done to us. Hey, we're going to give you free spay-neuter services. Go fix our problem. And we're doing a service for the city for free because they gave us free spay neuter spots and it's like playing on our compassion. Um, so I feel like it's a trick. Here you guys, here's some limited resources that will never be able to totally fix the problem. And we look like the heroes by working with the ASPCA and providing this service, but it's not enough. And they really should be paying way more and big bucks if we really want this problem to ever be solved. Um, so, you know, with, I think we all kind of got started as out of the goodness of our heart and seeing a problem and here we are. Um, you know, I, I do, I will say we, I have an amazing team, a lot of volunteers. Um, thankfully we have social media, which is a huge, huge help, especially for fundraising and recruiting people. Um, but again, I, I kind of sort of feel like tricked because nothing, TNR is not straightforward. You're going to find friendlies. You're going to find cats who get rejected um, from the low-cost spay-neuter clinic that need extensive vetting. And what do you do once that's in your lap? Um, you know, teaching the TNR course, saying, oh, anyone can do it, it, it's really not making you fully aware of the trouble and the situations that you can actually get yourself in. So, yeah, it, it's sort of like the, the biggest, um, uh, I don't know, scam New York City is running. It's like, oh, well, we don't have to solve this problem. We'll just offload it onto um, rescuers, mainly women, often low income earners in the neighborhoods with the highest cat concentrations, which are usually the lower income neighborhoods. <laughs> so this burden is falling on people least equipped to solve the problem. And, uh, you know, it's like, and then the city resources that are allocated are barely funding the animal care centers. So I think the city allocated 18 million. There are other funding sources for the ACC, but that's the main provider of uh, funds for the ACC. And the NYPD budget is $10.8 billion. So what, what the city allocates to animal care is like one and a half percent of the NYPD budget. And wow. we would do so much more with just a little bit more because you have sort of this all volunteer 
force ready to help if we could just have more resources we could easily get this problem under control probably in about five years and be in maintenance mode if the city would just decide it's a priority allocate the funds but they don't even have a department of animal welfare they have a single mayoral appointee for the mayor's office of animal welfare under the department of health and that person doesn't have any power <laughs> very right, nice yeah. person but she doesn't yeah. have any power and uh, I don't know of any budget there. So, um, so yeah, I, I think the city is really negligent in not offering any any support. And I think people, I think the average New Yorker has no idea and would no. be shocked to hear there is no animal welfare service provided for New York City. I, right. I am a New Yorker, and I am, and I, I did not know this, so I am shocked to hear this. I'm shocked that there, the, the complete lack of of. of of drive and wanting to solve this problem. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, your question was about, you know, how we do outreach and engage, you know, people to help. I mean, we are volunteers begging for volunteers to do something that really should be funded and should be paid for, you know, but yes, as Megan pointed out, it's kind of, you could say that, and John Lynn as well, it's exploiting the good hearted people, the few, and there's not that many of us that are running these I'd say organizations, and I, you know, I laugh because Greenpoint Cats, we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, you know, we're established and respected. And I, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's mostly me. And so I'll get people, you know, messaging on Instagram, like, I, can I talk to the boss? And I'm like, here I am. Uh, and then they'll email us and be like, can I talk to the head adopt ad adoptions? And I'm like, yep, here I am. Uh, can I speak to your head accountant right here, right with you? Like, you know, it's, you have to be doing, wearing so many hats and it's, it's really unfair. And we are thankfully, you know, likable people who are engaging our community and lots of volunteers and great people to drive for us, to market for us, to foster for us, to do all of these things unpaid, you know, out of their pocket. And it's really a shame because it's kind of at the end of the day, it's, it's exploitation. And and what we're starting to see, which is really disturbing, is a lot of is rescuers who are just having to step away for their own, you know, mental health or financial health. I mean, rescuers are spending a lot of money they don't have, putting money on credit cards. Um, and, and some are just stepping away because they're like, I just can't get spay neuter appointments. And so, you know, that that is a disturbing trend because as rescuers don't you know as as they as they start to be fewer and fewer rescuers the ones who are left have a greater and greater burden on them and honestly i wouldn't say to a single rescuer that you should keep doing what you're doing i mean why yeah <laughs> it's it's literally like hamsters ha we're hamsters running on wheels not only like do most of us work for free we also are abused by the general public it, <laughs> you know i've never been treated so poorly like ever in my life yeah, it's um, pretty bad. There, because there's a misconception that we are, that Greenpoint like Cats is a city right. service, and so um, I need to answer the call right away and be there right away, and we get shamed and demeaned. I mean, just demoralized it, like regularly, and it does take you have to have a really thick skin to stay in it. And I don't want to discourage people listening to this, but it's a problem. Yeah. No, I, 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 I appreciate the the raw honesty. I want people to understand exactly what is going on it's not just adopt a cat bring it home and and ha live a happy life this is what is going on and 
in New York City, of all places. And it's happening in every... I just spoke to somebody from Philadelphia last night. And she said they're, go, they're running numbers. They're 400,000, at least 400,000 in Philadelphia mm. uh, on sure. a constant basis. And they've, they've, you know, even with the thousands that they've been able to, to TNR, there are still four to 500,000, and that's Philadelphia. And this yeah. is New York, and there's just, you know, to hear that, first of all, before I go on, thank you all for everything you do. It is absolutely a necessary service. It just, it's just amazing that you put up with what you put up with and you still get up and you still go and you still try to help as many cats as possible. You know, for all I know, one of you were responsible for getting Taylor off the streets. Um, his, name was, his name was Zimbabwe, if, if that rings a bell. That was no. <laughs> But it does, those stories of someone, you know, seeing a picture of the cat that we rescued, seeing, seeing those happy endings, like it really does make it worth it. And we're not like insensitive to that. That's what keeps us going, you know, is just like at the end of the day, you're like, I did more today to save more lives and make a difference to both humans and cats. And in Megan's case, bunnies and guinea pigs and, and dogs and but, rats. you know, rats, but um, to know that we've made a huge difference and that's what matters. But yes, is it sustainable? Would we recommend to someone to take a TNR class and think that it's everything's just going to be served to them on a silver platter in terms of all the medical costs and needing fosters and adopters and all that? Like, it's really hard and we do need more resources and support and even social enforcement, which is something I'm really focusing on now, which is something that could solve the problem of kittens and basements of landlords and bodega cats that are mistreated. If the city won't do anything, it's up to people to ask their landlords, to ask their local bodega, is that cat spay neutered? Is that cat fed? Can you show me where that cat sleeps? To basically say, it's unacceptable to me that you have a mistreated cat here. Or to me that I'm living in a building that has a cat that's lived in the basement and has never seen light. So that's social enforcement. And that's something that I think we have to lean on more to until there's more actual enforcement and support. Now, can you explain the bo that bodega cat situation? I've heard a lot about that lately, but just for people who don't, who are not in New York, what is, what is, it, what is that exactly? Megan, why don't you? Uh... Okay. Well, a bodega <laughs> is like a deli. Um, I have a cat right now. His name is Bodega Boy because... I thought I was going to have to send him back to the deli. And basically, they had him in their store for rodent control, and they never got neutered. They let him out on the street. So we don't know how many litters he may have fathered. And he also was covered in wounds. Because, you know, as you know, when these males um, are not neutered and fight, they tear each other apart. So yep. this poor cat never had proper veterinary care, was filthy, covered in wounds, and basically needed all the teeth out of his mouth. I was able to convince him that, them that, you know, he's older and it's time for him to retire from the bodega, and they agreed. But a lot of times, um, these store owners either um, will just get another cat or say, you know, no, that's my property. And since cats are considered property here, it's like I stole their property, and I would be in the wrong even though they're being neglectful and abusive. 
So because there's a rat problem, their decision is to get a cat to help them with the rat problem, but they're not taking care of the cat. Right. I mean, I've seen some of the most horrible, horrible medical cases come out of bodegas. Yeah. Cats that have had to be on um, feeding tubes. I've gotten two cats that were diabetic. Um, it's just, they're just not, they're not looked at as pets. They're looked at as a, a thing that's helping them make money again, not as a living, breathing, you know, part of the family. Um, and you know, the other problem is, is that they're kind of romanticized on Instagram and, oh, my local bodega cat and people fall in love with them and don't realize what's really going on behind the scenes and that they're not fixed and that they're fighting and adding to the overpopulation crisis um, because they just like seeing a cat every day when they go to, to get their egg and cheese. Right. So, right. so it goes back to accountability and best practices and social enforcement of, you know, what are we going to decide as a society is acceptable? Like if I walk into my bodega, you know, I now before the, you know, I got involved, I would just say, oh, cute, look at the cat, and wouldn't think anything else of it. Our goal is for people to ask questions and look for evidence, at least, you know, that that cat is fed well, treated well, you know, has medical care. Um, and really, you know, if I had my way, I would just say no more, no more bodega cats, done. But that's not really going to happen overnight. Um, it would be great if there was a ban altogether on bodega cats because of the rampant neglect and just, you know, so many, just like Megan said, we have so many cases of the ones that have been kept in the basement for years and were made to live on whatever they could hunt. Um, I mean, it's endless and so many heartbreaking stories. And also in, in buildings, you know, they're considered working cats and they're workers and we place cats as working cats in barns and farms, but we have standards of care and best practices and way, you know, there's a, there's certain standards that we enforce um, that make sure that that cat has the best possible life. And in the bodega community and in building kind of, you know, random like building basements everywhere, that's not necessarily the case. And we need to figure out a way to enforce, you know, we need a better, we need to, figure this out because it is heartbreaking what we are seeing every day. But, yeah. but some of these, some of these bodega owners are receptive to you. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, this one, I took his cat, I paid for everything and I was just like, yeah, he's really too old and can't go back here. And they, they were like, okay, which is shocking, but who that's not to stop them from going to the city shelter or oh, yes. finding cat outside right. and just replacing him with someone else. So, uh, you know, my policy is generally to the last resort is to like, quote unquote, steal a bodega. Cat. They're just going to get another one, you know, like it's chopping off the head and two more grow out of it. And that's where we have a much bigger problem here where we need, you know, someone's got to have our backs and have the cat's backs. Like someone has to be, whether it's the Department of Health or um, really the city of New York has to be able to be looking out for these animals that keep ending up in the, the deli. So even if I take the cat um, and they get another one, the problem isn't solved. You know, right. I've, I've, it's that it's just a problem that just is, keeps going. 
I mean, and it's definitely not legal to have a cat in a food establishment, but it's almost borderline impossible to enforce this. There's a bodega on every single corner. Yeah, and it also yeah. it also comes down to the city priorities. The fact that we don't even have a department of animal welfare, and that the city has not prioritized that, or you know, a host of other animal issues could become a, a focus and a priority if the city council decided to make it one. Um, but there's there's no there's no agency, there's no priority, there's no power in in any kind of. Uh, so I you know to me I think that that's where things need to start is just like. I think I think that, you know, we really need to revamp how this how the city, you know, we're a city full of animal lovers. I think it's it's bizarre that that we don't have a Department of Animal Welfare to just, you know, handle and manage and legislate just a number of issues that are going on. But most people don't know that. Like if you took a survey, if you walked down the street and took a survey of every neighbor, like no one knows that there isn't really anyone of power in the mayor's office and that they're the, the city you know you can't call 311 to come rescue a cat mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's a yeah. lot of misconceptions there's a lot of misunderstanding of like what resources are available and people are shocked when they learn when they call me up or text me or dm me or however they reach me and say come get this cat that's you know gave birth in my backyard or dying my, and that when they realize there is no hotline really to mm-hmm. call except for volunteers who may be able to get there. It's, I think their minds are blown too, that that yeah, and doesn't I think exist. What you're kind of touching on is, is another piece of this whole problem, which is the income inequality. So in Manhattan, where you have a lot of, you know, where you have your concentrations of wealth, um, you don't see the problem because the community has the wealth and resources to have solved this years ago. So, um, you know, if you don't see the problem, <laughs> then you, you don't know something needs to be done about it because these problems are really concentrated in the outer boroughs, in lower income areas. And that, that's where you see um, probably the most mistreatment of animals in bodegas. You see the proliferation of feral cats. You see the most abandonment and abuse cases. And, uh, you know, if, if you're at the center of power and you don't see it happening right in front of you, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. So I think we, we need to shine more of a spotlight on what's going on because I think the average person in New York actually does care. They just don't know what's going on. Right. So, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping this, this, my little podcast will help with that. So I want to, I want to, this has been amazing, um, heartbreaking, but necessary information, but I'm going to step back just a little bit because I, I, I like big picture thinking sometimes. So let's say mayor, the mayor, mayor Adams is listening to this show. What would you, and if he said, okay, this is horrible. I wasn't aware. What would you tell him? To, um, to, what hmm. would you tell him if you had an audience? Cause it sounds to me like just getting meetings with, with, these officials to even just discuss or make them aware what in a, in a perfect world where you had their ears, what would you suggest right away to begin to tackle these issues? I mean, definitely like sub subcontracting out um, all the work that we're doing, being paid for what we do. I, I thought about it and we should be paid per intake. 
Um, it should be based on numbers. Um, I don't know what the number would exactly be, but if I'm taking as many cats as the city shelter, I should be getting a, a portion of that budget or it should be made bigger. Um, you know, I have 350 cats and th that I think is a lot even compared to ACC and, and they keep saying they don't have room and they also have a program where they give their cats to independent rescuers. So, so there really should be a budget and a payment system based on the amount of animals that you're taking off the street. Um, obviously money and funds is the number one to me issue. And then the second issue is space. Where are we, where are we putting all these animals if there isn't homes? Um, you know, I know that the city shelter also puts friendly cats back out on the street and that doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help the cats. That's throwing the city's money away, literally like taking money and throwing it out your car window. It's the same thing as putting a friendly cat back on the street. Um, yeah. Right. So, you know, locations helping us get space. There's plenty of empty space that the city owns um, that they could let us use or give us money. Yeah. And, you know, this is there's many cities in a kind of feral and abandoned cat crisis right now. You mentioned Philadelphia and there's there's others. But there are also cities that are have gotten over their their feral cat overpopulation and are now in maintenance mode. So Washington, D.C. passed a city ordinance in 2008 that endorsed trap neuter return. And it was sort of an omnibus legislation um, with different animal welfare issues addressed in it. And from that point, um, funding, public funding for spay neuter, uh, what became available and often private funding follows public funding. So you actually have a situation in um, Washington, D.C. where uh, if you're in an underserved community, you can get free food delivered to your house, pet food, cat food. Wow. Uh, so, I mean, we, I know people feeding 50 cats in Jamaica, Queens, who are the sole breadwinner with four, you know, three dependents living in a one bedroom home. You know, she's spending her own money to feed 50 cats every day. <laughs> Imagine that expense, right? What if, what if yeah. she could, you know, have access to free food at least? Um, so, but, you know, in, in DC, you, you can see that they got, you know, I know people who were feeding 50 cats 15 years ago, and now there's it's just like two or three aging cats in their colony. So that's, that's what it means to kind of be over the hump of that cat crisis and then be in maintenance mode. And, um, you know, TNR works. We've seen it work in cities and all it takes is allocating the funds so that you can get the problem under control and then and then go into maintenance mode where the cats are not no longer reproducing and you're really just kind of letting aging colonies kind of age and die out yeah and i think enforcement and yeah. having like empowering us like you know we need to be able to say no um you know the law is that you shouldn't have a free roaming unsterilized cat but there's no enforcement for that there's no one to back us up when we say that, and, and that's an important piece too, because why would someone who doesn't really care, who like likes kittens to be born in their backyard so their kids could play with them, have, there's no, again, like Becky said, there's no consequences. We have no backup and we have nothing to base this on except a law that ha that's basically 
dead in the water. If I could add, I guess my point of view, it's very, I don't know if it's realist or cynic or cynical uh, when it comes to politics, but I understand that in order to get political support, they need to get constituent support, you know, and that this is a problem that's been swept under the rug and it does not have visibility. So it's not going to be a priority. So it's not going to get funded and it's not going to be a priority, period. Unless people, voters, you know, constituencies say, this is heartbreaking, just like, I don't know, if no one picks up the trash for a month, people suddenly are very aware of trash services, right? Like, if something suddenly goes away or something is, you know, if something becomes very visible to you, the pain and the suffering that people don't see every day um, and are not aware of the level of need for funding because it's just being picked up and done by volunteers, what, why would anyone get behind it? And why would they, you know, why would any, why would the mayor get behind it if it doesn't matter to his voters and to the people? And so that's where I go back to like, this idea of starting with social enforcement to a certain extent, meaning social awareness or people just underseeing, getting you know, more visibility for what is going on and the need for city support. And if, you know, and if their argument is we just don't have the funding, you can get it if you made this a priority by exposing the problem, pulling back the rug to see what is going on in backyards everywhere, the amount of suffering it could be made a priority. It won't be as long as there is an army of volunteers that are taking care of the problem so that no one else has to. Right, and just the sense of, oh, it's being taken care of. We don't really have to think about it. Right. Like if someone, right, you know, it's like if you get it for free, what is that saying? If you, why buy the cow? <laughs> but also the, the faster you address the problem, the quicker you can solve it. I mean, Cat, the cat reproductive cycle is working against us. <laughs> we cannot stay ahead of it without more help. And rescuers are leaving the work. The city is not acknowledging the problem. This is going to get worse before it gets better. And it is going to reach a point where the, the suffering is just really becoming something the public um, is no longer tenable to the public. And I guess, you know, but it, it's heartbreaking to think that we have to kind of wait that out but that's why we're doing this work to try to raise awareness to try to get political action um but it's very frustrating the problem is now we could solve it now and the problem won't be as bad in a year two years five years but the fact is the resources probably aren't coming until five years ten years from now <laughs> and then the problem is going to be so much worse and so much harder to solve yeah well, I'm going to say it again. Thank you all so much for everything you do. It's, I know it takes a toll on each of you. I hear it in, in every word that you're saying. How can people find your organizations? I always want to make sure that I give you an opportunity to what's your website? What's the best way to reach you? Obviously, how do, they, how do people, how can people donate to you? Yeah, so I think a, a great way to reach us, see what we do, and donate is following us on Instagram at puppykittynycity. Um, but we also have our website, which is www.puppykittynyc.org. Um, if you want to talk to me directly, you can also email me, Megan, M-E-A-G-A-N, at puppykittynyc.org. 
And we are Greenpoint Cats. Our website is greenpointcats.org. Our Instagram is greenpoint underscore cats. Um, those are great places to see our work, to donate, and to email us. It's info at greenpointcats.org. And our website is nyccatalliance.com. And you can email rescuers at nyccatalliance.com. And we are not a 501c3. We, we never wanted to compete for funding with both like real rescuers doing real rescue work. So donate to Puppy Kitty, donate to Greenpoint Cats and any of your local rescues. Yes, please do donate. And if you can volunteer, if you can foster, please reach out to these people. And New York City, Mayor Adams, if you're listening to the show, and you should, please do something about this. Because without you, without the three of you, and your volunteers and organizations like you, it would be so much worse. I mean, I, I say this in every episode, and please correct me if I'm wrong. At four months, a cat could have kittens. Mm -hmm. At four months, one cat could have a litter of four to six cat kittens. And then in four months, those could have kittens. So you see how within eight months, you're already out of control on one block. Mm -hmm. yep. it's, just, it's, it's that quick, that quick that it happens. If you don't, if you, if, you, if you were able to humanely TNR the first cat, that's what you would prevent from happening. And everything that would be involved in all of those kittens being out on the streets. So it's as, it's, as, it's as simple as that. So thank you all. I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> Dan, thank you for yeah. launching this podcast and for giving it a platform, this topic, a, a platform and a, a voice. And, you know, it's really important. So um, we appreciate you doing the work. <laughs> oh, yeah. no, no. You're doing the work. I'm just talking. <laughs> you're doing the work to broadcast it. So thank you. You're yes, out, that's very important to you. You're out in the streets. Thank you all for you know, given everything you just said, and then you wake up the next morning and, and do it anyway, and you, mm -hmm. don't go, you don't go to hell with this, and you wake up and you, and you get back out there and you fight everything that you fight for these cats. I mean, my, my old man that was in animal control in March is looking at me like, dude, yes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the misconception, know. I have to say, just like for everyone here and for you, Dan, like, I think the misconception in this field of quote unquote work is that we're just all like big cat lovers who just, this is just, we wanted to, it's not just about loving cats, you know, it's, it's about just wanting to fix a problem and having compassion for, a, a, you know, this a degree of suffering. Like it literally comes down to if you walk outside your door and you see suffering and you see a problem, do you want to be part of the solution? you know, or are you going to look the other way? So we love, I mean, trust me now, now I love cats, but before I moved to Greenpoint, I had one cat really my whole time living in Soho for, you know, 15 years. And this was very foreign to me, this, you know, right. like getting immersed in this kind of level of cat work. So um, I love that you're tapping into cat lovers, but it really is just about, you know, 
being compassionate humans for cre- for other creatures. Yeah, I think you raise a great point because there is this reputation like kooky cat people, crazy cat ladies. And, you know, the rescuers, I, I have so much respect. They're, they're just salt of the earth people just trying to make their communities better and relieve suffering, um, you know, from the most vulnerable creatures in their community. And that's the you know those those are the stories we need to tell but the, you know that's not a story that gets clickbaity headlines so right yeah and my last question to each of you how many cats do you each have at your homes i only have four <laughs> only four okay that's a i think that's a rescuer's record i think <laughs> well i have two resident cats but um, right now I have two foster kittens who right after this call, I'm driving to their real foster. Um, I have two little kittens and I have two ferals recovering in crates. Um, So my apartment kind of serves as a rescue, you know, recovery space slash foster home. And my wonderfully tolerant resident cats um, put up with it. (laughs) I actually don't have any at the moment. I've done, I've been kind of in a transient mode with work and I'm about to adopt a couple cats once I, I've settled into a place and I'm about to adopt a couple. Try, try to, I feel like I would like <laughs> to adopt a hundred because so many rescuers are looking for adopters right now, but. <laughs> yeah, when, when like you're ready bachelor. to adopt, I know, I, I, when, I, when you're ready to adopt, I know people, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I do too. <laughs> Who's going to get the rose, John? Who are you going to, like, it's really, you just start we'll get, courting we'll get, all of us. You'll have, you'll have at least five cats in the blink of an eye. And, you know, yeah. I, have five, I have five in a two-bedroom apartment. I feed a colony of about six that show up at my door. Um, and I've gotten all but one elusive orange cat fixed who refuses to cooperate with me. <laughs> mm. Um, but, but I'm but I'm working on him. He looks at me like it's not going to happen. I go, it yes, it will. I'm smarter than you. Oh, <laughs> well, keep us posted on that. That's exciting. Love a good challenge. I will. Uh, it's been years. He's an orange cat, and he is he's he's getting older. But he looks at me like I will win this. <laughs> I will keep them. You don't understand. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you don't understand. We can give you we can give you some tips offline on that. How to, like, how to get them. You know, like look at look at their look at their Instagrams. This is what will happen. Happy happy said, thank you all so much for being on the show. This has thank been amazing, you. amazing. This had to be said. So thank you all so much and, and best of luck. And we'll have you on again. I'm I'm working on a YouTube, so I'm gonna be running around filming you guys at some point soon. Oh, awesome. For YouTube work, as soon as I teach myself how to do that. So we will have you on soon. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. Take care. All right. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Dan the Catman here again. And there you have it. That episode needed to be recorded. This needs to be said. This needs to be heard. This message needs to get out there. Yes, this show started as me talking about my cats and how I came to adopt my cats, but it's more than that. It's it's just the fact that there's just a crisis going on 
in my backyard in New York City. I'm two blocks from Queens, two blocks from New York City in Queens. And this stuff is happening all over the city. These people are working day and night. They're overwhelmed. And the city offers meager to little support. And they just, I hate to sound like Ron Popeil here, but they said it and forget it. And they just assume it's, it's happening. And they offer these people no money and no support. And you just hear the emotion, the raw emotion behind every word that was said. So it needed to be said, it needed to be out there. I will have them on again. I will check in with them. I will see how they're doing. I am so, so grateful that they were able to join me to discuss their efforts and what they do. Because as, as daunting a task as it is, they are making a difference. Just one cat that they're able to trap and fix and release. One cat that they're able to get out of one of those bodegas. And I'm never shopping in one. I, I don't go in those delis anyway. Um, because like a sandwich is 20 bucks. So I could just make my own. But I will. I, if I, that Those just stories just break my heart. They get me angry. And they get me to want to do something. And my part is to offer this platform to anyone that wants to come on and tell their story. So that the message could get out there because sometimes as much as it's important to be in the weeds, to be out there to help, help as many cats as possible. Sometimes you also need to tell the story and have a platform to just succinctly get the message out there that these cats need our help and you can't just walk away from it and you can't just forget it and you can't just let another pregnant cat give birth and you can't let another cat get hurt on the streets because an entire city like New York won't do their part and step up and help the situation so that we New York can become like Washington, D.C. and other cities that stepped up and, and had an answer. And like they said, it's a much better situation. New York could do that too. They just need to get off their butts and do something about it. So I hope they're listening. I hope they're listening to this show and I hope they're getting as angry as I am and want to do something to help these cats because they need our help and they need it now. So thank you so much to John Lynn, Megan and Becky for joining me tonight. Thank you for dealing with the hiccups with this software, which doesn't matter. It's about the message. And thank you so much for listening to this show and we'll see you next week. Dan the Catman here with a postscript. P.S. Um, since I recorded this episode a few weeks ago, a major update that has had a massively negative impact on the homeless cat population in New York City. On August 1st, uh, NYCACC, New York City Animal Care and Control, or whatever it stands for, Animal Control, closed its doors to intakes. That means they're full. That means they can't take in any more homeless cats, dogs, or whatever else. And that means those animals will end up on the streets. So through whatever means, 
these animals find home, find themselves homeless. Animal control is now, until further notice, no longer able to take in any more animals. That means these amazing groups, such as the three I interviewed for this episode, that's a major impact and not a positive one on their ability to operate and their ability to help people. So I asked my group that I interviewed if any of them or all of them could send me like a quick little recording just describing how this added wrinkle will impact them right away. And it's a huge, huge impact, a huge problem. It's just going to make things so much worse. So there is a crisis right now, an absolute crisis in New York City. And I've heard from the Cat Collaborative in Philadelphia. They are overwhelmed. They are no longer to take in any more animals for a little while because they're just overwhelmed. There's an overwhelming crisis right now at all these groups, but particularly in New York City. If animal control is full, you can bet all these amazing groups, such as the three I interviewed, are full. And that impacts their ability to help animals. So what can you do? You can donate to these groups. You can offer to foster. You can adopt. Adopt, don't shop, damn it. You could foster. You could help them make more room by adopting and fostering. If you could just foster one cat just for a little while, that means they could take another cat off the street. If you can get your friends to foster, that means they can get more cats off the streets. And that little bit will, will, will help. If you can, if you don't have the ability to foster and you can donate, donate to these people, please. If you can possibly donate, donate. If you know someone that can donate, donate. We all have to do everything we can. I'm. My, my role is to just provide a voice so that you're aware of what's going on. These people take time out of their busy lives and dedicate themselves to helping these homeless cats. And we all have to do our part because if we don't do our part, it'll just be out of control and beyond anyone's ability to do anything. But we can all help if we just do a little bit from spreading the word, to donating, to fostering, to adopting. We can all do our part. So here is Megan with her, her immediate impact on this news about animal control. Thank you so much. It's been extremely difficult with the closing of ACC. If we were too overwhelmed or didn't have space or didn't have funds, we always defaulted to advising people um, to bring them to ACC, and now we can't even do that. So it like makes it hard to even answer DMs or emails or requests for people for help. And there's really nowhere for these people to turn, and it's sad, and it's leading to a lot of suffering, death, and so many issues.